Welcome to DIY Data 5. I'm your host, Michael Yurig, and today is July 22nd, 2020. This is episode three, Tools and Sharing. In today's episode, I'm going to dive into the world of tools, what ones we need, where to find them, and how to treat them. Also, I'm going to talk about some of the DDO5 household experiences when dealing with children that don't like to share and those who like to share just a little too much and then what we have done to mold their minds. So last episode, we talked in the DIY world of the five things that you need to look at when it comes to how to choose whether or not you want to or should DIY a task or project. Um, and as I said in that, the last podcast, episode two, uh, which aired on July 8th, uh, I recommend you go check it out. One of those areas that I said I would talk more about was tools, whether you have them, whether you should get them. And I said I would expound more on that area, and I thought this would be the next logical podcast to talk about that um, because it, it really should be expounded on um, because it's a very large area um, that can cost you tons of money if you do this the wrong way, um, and it could bring a lot of hassle if you do it the wrong way. Um, like I said in that, that podcast, uh, if you don't use the right tools, you're going to waste a lot of time. And if you use tools the wrong way, you're going to do a lot of damage and you could hurt yourself uh, extremely. So uh, in this episode, I want to expound on tools in that area that you should look at when considering whether you should DIY a project or task. And this is also just in general when you're looking at tools um, for anything you're going to do, um, because having tools for any kind of task, uh, whether for yourself or for somebody else. So let's get into tools when we're talking about if you're gonna DIY a task. So as a reminder, the tool section of whether or not you should DIY something is, do you have the tool or can you get it or should you get it, okay? So this is, again, you should always have the right tool or get the right tool for the job. So if you have the right tool, great, use the right tool. If you don't have the right tool, you should get it. It will make the job go faster, it'll make the job easier, and you're gonna avoid injury or damage um, to either yourself or to the uh, object that you're working on. Again, like I said, I've used a screwdriver the wrong way too many times and I've hurt myself, I've hurt items, I've been electrocuted. Trust me, don't do the wrong thing. You will avoid so much trouble if you follow that advice. So what do you do if you don't have the right tools? Well, obviously you have to figure out, do you have the right tools? Um, this is where the research comes in and finding out the skills is finding out what tool, tools do you need? Uh, again, internet research, um, finding out um, from somebody who already has the skill set, uh, what kind of tools should you need? If there's a manual, uh, that would tell you what you would need. You would want to read in there. Uh, obviously, if it's a, a mechanical type thing, usually you can find out in a teardown guide, something like that, what kind of tools you need. Uh, but finding out what the right tools are is very important. So beyond finding out the tools, because obviously that goes along with the research, it's finding the tools where they're offered. Um, so usually that's an internet search once you find out the name of the tool and then finding out how much it costs and how you can get them. And it usually falls under um, four different general categories. Um, and that is you can rent them and there's two different ways of doing that. You can borrow them and there's usually a couple different areas you can do that. 
and then you can buy them. Now, I usually opt for the, the first two, which is either rent or borrow, before I go to buy, unless it's a very inexpensive tool. Um, so if it's like a cheap tool, like a, a screwdriver that you don't have that you can probably use over and over and over again, I usually don't opt to buy. Um, this is usually more the more expensive tools for automotive stuff. I usually wouldn't buy straight out. Um, if it's a tool that you're going to use that you kind of just wear out the tool, like a drill bit, um, or something like that, that you would need, usually I would buy that cause I don't want to wear somebody else's out. And usually you can't rent those. You know, so obviously you want to look at what the piece is before you um, decide on if you're going to buy it or not, um, or if you're going to borrow it or not. And then if you're going to rent or borrow, obviously it depends. If it's a very uh, unique item, you probably won't be able to borrow it from somebody because not many people would have it. But if you're going to rent it, there's two different ways you can usually rent it. You can either pay to rent, which means you just pay a fee, you don't get your money back, you rent it. Um, you know, Home Depot does stuff like this for, you know, a lot of gas powered products or, or heavy uh, machining equipment. Uh, there's other places that do many different things like this. And then you could also pay a fee where you rent something, but really the fee is just a security deposit where once you return the item, you would get your money back. Uh, a lot of automotive stores um, would also do this as well, where you would, um, again, you just put down a security deposit and then you would get your money back once you return it. Um, I've done this many times as well, and this is rent. It is more of a borrow than a rent. They just give you a security deposit. So after that, um, you have just borrow friends or family, you know, people you're close with that you know would trust you obviously with their stuff. Um, you would just say, "Hey, I need something like this. Does anybody have it?" And they'd be like, "Yeah, sure. Here you go. You borrow the tool. You'd return it to them." Um, usually those are less specialty items because most people wouldn't have a specialty item. Regardless of how you're going to get a piece of equipment, you always want to know the terms of how you're getting it, even if you're buying it. Because if you're buying something that's not a disposable item, you want to know what's the warranty. If you're borrowing it from a friend, you want to know kind of what their expectations are on re returning it. Like, hey, I'm borrowing this, but I need it for a week. But they say, hey, I need it back in two days because I got a project I'm working on. Or, you know, you're you're renting something, but you're only allowed to have it for 24 hours, you know, even with a security deposit or, you know, rent to pay. How much is it per day? You know, you need to know the terms of how you're actually going to borrow it. Now, like I said at the beginning, I am a Christ follower. So did you know there's actually scripture when it comes to how you should treat the stuff that you borrow from someone? And I'm going to throw it at you. Exodus 22, 14 to 15. This is the new uh, international version. If anyone borrows an animal, a.k.a. tool, from their neighbor and it is injured or dies while the owner is not present, a.k.a. you're borrowing something from somebody and that person's not there, they must make restitution, a.k.a pay them back, either give them something equivalent for that animal or pay them the equivalent uh, value for it. But if the owner is with the animal, aka your buddy's over there helping you out, the borrower will not have to pay. It says they will not have to. Doesn't mean they shouldn't. Will not have to. If the animal was hired, aka the tool was paid for, so you say paid Home Depot for it, the money paid for the hire covers the loss which means if you paid Home Depot to borrow their machinery, what you paid them should cover if it, it stopped working when you borrowed it. Um, 
So scripture actually covers what happens if you borrow your buddy's chainsaw and you broke it. You should replace his chainsaw. Now, granted, if you and your buddy had an agreement ahead of time, which you talked about, say, hey, I'm using your chainsaw. What do you want me to do if it breaks? You know, most people won't talk about it ahead of time. You know, it's a it's an unspoken thing. But if you talk about it ahead of time, you know, and it breaks like, you know, this thing's a 10 year old chainsaw. If it breaks, don't worry about it. You know, and it breaks. Whoop de do afterwards, you don't have to worry about it. But hey, the scripture talks about that. And, you know, I found this oddly enough. Um, when I was reading through the Bible the other day, I started a whole one year plan again and it just popped out of me. I was, I was really surprised. Um, but regardless of how you're borrowing or renting or buying tools, always know the terms, always know what you're getting when you're buying a tool, what kind of warranty you're getting, uh, or whether you need to buy it. Um, cause if you can rent it and you're only going to use it once, don't buy the tool, rent the tool. Um, because you're going to keep something, it's going to sit on your shelf and, and, and rot. When you could have paid half the price, a quarter of the price, and saved yourself the money for another project. Um, if you have any questions about that, about where you can rent tools, where you can buy tools, you know, hit me up on uh, I'd I'd say probably Twitter because Twitter's a little more text-like versus Instagram, and give you some advice. Obviously, I know more the northeast side of the country than anywhere else, um, but I can always do a little bit of my own internet researching to help you out. Um, I'm good with homeowner type of stuff and automotive type of stuff outside of that. Sorry, I can't help you too much. Um, but again, tools, they're very important. Use the right one for the right job and you'll make your life a lot easier. So now turning to the parenting side, the dad side of this lovely thing, let's get into sharing. So I had to uh, dive into my wife's side of this as well to clear out the cobwebs on this whole process because we've been dealing with the two sides of the coins of sharing with two of our children, um, the older two. Uh, one, we always had issues with not wanting to share at all, really. The other one who wants to share way too much. Um, so there's really no happy middle. And I don't really think many children fall in the middle. Like they're perfect sharers. They'll share with anybody who comes around, but they don't overshare and understand why that's a problem too. Um, because usually you can get a little too much on either side. So I'm gonna cover what happens when they don't share enough and how we kind of had to resolve that and what has been working. Again, it hasn't been perfect. And then what happens when we have a child who overshares and the issues that have come with that as well and how we're trying to navigate that as well. Um, so first we have the one who doesn't like to share at all. She would not want to share with anybody. Um, wants to keep all the candy to herself, keep all the toys to herself, wanted to play by herself. Um, and would wonder why after a while her siblings don't want to share with her, don't want to play with her, wouldn't want to give up any chances to choose the game to her. And she thought she was being singled out. And we had to point out, well, sweetheart, you're not giving them any chances. You're not sharing any of your stuff. And she was getting very hurt by this. And we had to gently but firmly say, you brought this upon yourself. Um, obviously, this was as she was getting older, she started realizing this. And so we had to start, you know, being more pressing on the fact that if you shared more with them, they'd be more willing to share with you and give you more chances. 
Now, granted, that opened things up more, but it wasn't really a eye-opener um, for our daughter. Uh, unfortunately, the that habit didn't really build up until there was um, more of an option or ability for her in her own resources where we could go on to the next step, and that was we could actually start saying to her, if you want to be able to give to people, um, give cards, give gifts, and stuff like that, you have to do it out of your money. You have to give it out of your time. So once we said, if you want to give stuff for a birthday present, or a Christmas gift, or anything like that, you have to take your time and your money or your stuff and you actually have to do it. We're not going to give you money anymore to do that. Now, um, we told her it doesn't have to be something big. That's fine. But if you want to give your friend a gift or if you want to give your, your sister or brother or grandma or grandpa a gift or mommy or daddy a gift, you can do that, but it has to come out of your money. And... You know, we told them it doesn't have to be big. It could be something small, like, you know, they like candy bars or something like that. You know, we made sure they understood that even the smallest gift means a lot. Um, once we told her this, and she actually started doing that because she, she felt this urge to want to be a part of the gift giving process. And we made sure, like, it was somebody that we knew would accept the small gift, you know, so mommy or daddy or uh, grandma or grandpa. You know, somebody who understood this whole idea that it's the gift that counts, not how big a gift it was. Um, and once she got to experience the actual feeling of I am the one who gave this gift, it didn't come out of mommy and daddy's pocket. It didn't come out of, of something that I didn't actually put in of my stuff um, because she has she has these additional chores that she has to do that are above and beyond her normal chores. These are extras that if she does them beyond what she's required to do. Um, she can earn money, um, and then anything she gets from birthdays or anything like that, you know, that's the additional money she can spend. Um, she's she's using that money to actually give something, and once she started giving of that, and not just hoarding it for whatever she wanted, that's really what made it click in her mind that she is a part of this relationship um, when it comes to the giving process and the sharing of her own resources and, and who she is because she has to think of other people in this relationship that, that is sharing and giving. And that's really where she has started to click in this whole area. And, and she is, and she's starting to balance out now. The other side, unfortunately, of the wanting to share too much, uh, has really been, she always gives, she always gives, she always wants to share everything she gets. She always wants to share all of her siblings with everybody around her adults. It doesn't matter who she, who it is. Um, our child wants to share everything she has with everybody. She has all of her toys, all of her candy, you know, she'll spend all every penny she has buying stuff for other people. Um, and it's so much so that even our, one of her siblings that's younger than her doesn't even understand that she can't just go and take her stuff anymore because, you know, she's not being told she can use it, but she just says, well, I can use it all the other times that I can use it now too, if I want to. Right. Um, and it's almost annoying at that time because she wasn't given permission. Um, and so 
that's an issue that's coming from that oversharing. Another issue too that comes from it is then when she's sharing so much, when the other sibling isn't sharing as much or younger siblings aren't sharing because they're younger and they're not used to sharing yet, is they feel undervalued or, or taken advantage of because you know they're feeling left out because they're sharing so much, they're sharing so much. Why don't my siblings want to share with me or, or give back to me? You know, it's, it's that, you know, I give so much, but I'm not getting as much. They don't understand the other siblings don't do the same thing I do. Um, they don't, they're not, she, this child's not old enough to understand not everybody this is the same way. Um, not wrong, but different still. So these are two of the negatives that come from being an oversharer. Not that it's bad to share a lot. But these are the things when a, a young child overshares that they don't understand that the rest of the world is not like them. So we had to actually start implementing some rules with her um, because really she's still too young to kind of min to, I want to say manipulate, but trying to change her behavior to kind of even her out yet. Um, we had to actually put into rules and we're going to be implementing some new ones, which I'm not going to put out yet. We got to see how this works still. Um, for the for the child that thinks that she can kind of just take the stuff now um, um, because it's almost like she's stealing it, but it's it's not really a negative thing to her. It's it's more of a, they say I can play with it when I want, so I'm going to play with it. Um, but she, we have to tell our child now who wants to share all the time that you can share when you're playing with them, but you shouldn't be letting them just play with it when they want. So if you're playing with your older sister or you're playing with your younger um, siblings and you want to let them play with some of your stuff, you must be playing with them and you can play with them with your toys. But once you guys are done playing, you must take your toys back and then put them away. You can't let them continue to play with your toys because then it's sending the wrong message that they can just play with your stuff when they want. Um, and then that tells her, too, that this is still your stuff. You can't just let them take your stuff when you're not using it. And then the other thing, too, is she had this habit of giving something to somebody, not understanding that when you say I'm giving it to you, you're giving it away. And it's a permanent thing because she would like to say, oh, I'm giving this to you. And then like two days later, say, OK, I want my stuff back when the other person thinks, well, you gave it to me. This is mine now. So we had to tell her you can't can't give things to anybody anymore. If you want to say you're giving it to them for more than just playtime, you have to come talk to us. And very rarely does she mean she wants to give it to somebody permanently. It's usually, oh, no, I wanted to let her play with it. And then we have to say, no, that means you're playing with them now. So we've had to make some rule sets for her so that she understands that if you're going to share with somebody, you must be playing with them so that it doesn't turn into an oversharing situation. Um, because it not only confuses other children, especially younger children, um, but it also can cause some heartache if she feels like she didn't mean to give it to somebody else and she wants it back because um, it can hurt the, the other child that may have thought it was given to them. And it can hurt her feelings if because she, she's very sensitive and she feels like she's hurting the other child and she doesn't want to hurt the other child. So then she almost wants to make make it where she did give it to them and don't, doesn't want it back. But then she feels like she lost out because that's not what she meant to do. Um, and then the biggest rule when it comes to sharing to, with all of our children is whether they're sharing or, you know, with with good intentions of oversharing or, you know, they're sharing, quote unquote, begrudgingly, but they're sharing because they know they should and, and they're going to is 
they always must share it when they're sharing they they treat each other's stuff with respect um whether it's something small or big you know treat it as if it's yours and we have made our children where if they disrespected somebody's item on purpose and they've damaged it we have made them replace it um obviously this is when they've made money um you know we've we've held our child accountable and they've had to replace something uh one of our daughters damaged one of our other daughters chapstick and they had to buy them a new chapstick um you know it was it was only a couple dollars but they had to wait like a month until they got a couple of dollars. And the first thing they did is we went out to the store and they had to replace their chapstick. And um, we always make sure they understand we do not let you disrespect your sibling stuff. You don't disrespect our stuff, just like you don't disrespect our house. Um, you just can't do it. You cannot let your children disrespect th their siblings, just like you can't let them disrespect their stuff. Because if they do that in the house, they're going to do that in their friend's house. They're going to do that in their place of employment. And you just can't let them do that. Um, and this is where it starts. So that's the podcast. Uh, I hope you enjoyed it. If you have any uh, questions or thoughts um, on any of the areas uh, to elaborate on or you have you would like to know anything more in either of the areas the tools or the sharing you can find me again instagram or twitter at diy data five uh, if you like this podcast please subscribe and share i hope you have a great two weeks and i will see you on the next show have a great day